All right. Well, appreciate y'all getting here on time and appreciate the good day that you guys had. It sounds like it was productive for a whole bunch of you. I'm really excited about introducing uh, Joey Starkey. Uh, tonight went back to Virginia Family Camp. Didn't know who I was going to meet. I knew that, uh, of course, uh, Matt Hartford was going to be there in company, but uh, I never met this man before. And I don't know how someone brought his name up and said he was uh, a police officer for, uh, I always want to say Pebble Beach, Myrtle Beach, come on, Myrtle Beach. I got that, I said that to you before, and you go, no, 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 it's Myrtle Beach. See, it's stuck in my head. Man, as soon as I heard that he was uh, a police officer, man, I went out, I grabbed him. He was walking outside. He go, man, I got run out there, grabbed him. I said, man, I really appreciate your service. I understand what you go through. And uh, I just want to let you know, as a man of God, you're in a great place. Then we got to talking, and I got to sharing, and, and I, so I get to know him. I go, man, you remind me of a guy back in Oregon named Brian Bragg. You know, he was telling me all of his hunting, you know, and stuff. I go, man, you got a bug like him too, man. you got to meet. And the funny thing is, is that uh, I introduced uh, his wife and Justine, and now they're chatting quite a bit, and... And now I'm sure there's going to be a lot of chatting and calling and, you know, stuff like that. Because you know what? Unless you're in it, you don't fully understand it. You know, Kirk said that this morning, you know, about, you know, knowing the suffering that I was going through. But then he made the statement that, you know, he carried the whatever you said, the greater little. But now you know what it's like, you know, the burden, <clears throat> people going sideways on you and stuff like that. But these men know. They live it. They can commiserate together. They can. They know what it's like. They can be encouragers in the greatest of way for each other. It takes a great man of integrity to stand his ground. And even in uh, the company that we kept just a couple days ago, he was talking about where he stood his ground to do what was right and actually saved a young man from going to prison for years. Because as a detective, he was absolutely spot on in regards to his assessment and they had to bring out outside sources and but he stood his ground stood his ground against the the chief of of police stood his ground against all those who were saying you know this kid needs to get the full measure of the law and yet when he had the outside come in they confirmed exactly what he had said even though the chief of police didn't want to go with it right okay stood his ground it's a man of courage it's a man of integrity and uh, in talking with him, I just appreciated his spirit. He's got a spirit of a lion, kind of like somebody else we know. And so I'm excited to bring him up. Bring him up. Joey Starkey from South Carolina, Myrtle Beach. <laughs> hey, love you, brother. Thank Glad you. you came out. Right, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> well, gentlemen, brothers, saints, I cannot express to you what a phenomenal time I'm already having. The fellowship has been amazing. The messages have been phenomenal. Like the bar has been set well, like well done, seriously. And, and we've, I've been talking about it and I've been telling Mark the same thing because we keep, we keep yawning because we're three hours ahead, you know, and I, I, I've said it over and over and I'm going to continue to say it. If you leave a weekend like this, and you're not tired, you fellowshiped wrong. You should be beat. You should be exhausted. 
I think today, tonight, partially might be because of the hike we took today. <laughs> but uh, it's just, it's been great. Um, what, what, a, what a phenomenal weekend. Thank you so much for, for bringing us out here. Um, Church actually brought you out. Well, thank you very much. Uh, so just a, a little, little bit of, about me before we, we move in. And uh, oh, I keep, see, I already did it. Um, so I grew up, didn't, didn't have much of a, a church background at all. Um, I, I was always under the belief that if you were a, a good person and you just did right by the, the person next to you, that, you know, that's good enough, you know. Uh, I found my value in how I played sports, and I played a lot. Played a lot of travel ball, played a, played a lot of ball, and uh, a lot of different sports. And the more praise I got, the more I, you know, this is where my value's at. It's, it's in how I perform. And then uh, kind of got, got involved for FCA, which is Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and kind of got my taste a, a little bit with, with uh, Christ and that. And, but again, it was still just very, very superficial, very, very shallow stuff. You know, it was more or less to kind of get kids together and keep them out from from doing things that they shouldn't be doing. Uh, and, and then I, I started attending a, a Lutheran church. And again, it was very, very shallow at that. Don't bring your Bible. Stand up, sit down, water down Catholicism is, is exactly what it what it was, you know. And um, just, I, just because I attended regularly, they made me a youth deacon. I was 16 years old, just got my driver's license, youth deacon, right? Wow. Yeah. I thought I had a name tag. I thought this is it. This is something. <laughs> I didn't know your church leadership, man. Wow. Oh, man, it was, it was something. Um, but then I graduated uh, high school, and I, I beat feet, man. I left town as quickly as I, I could. Um, I didn't get the scholarships that uh, some universities told me I was going to get. And I said, you know, it's fine. No harm, no foul. And uh, I went to a small little tech school in southeast Ohio. And, man, I went wild. I wasn't one to uh, party in high school or really step outside that line. But once I tasted that little bit of uh, freedom or that sinful nature, I was hooked. And, man, I went down a road of a lot of partying and um didn't let my grades slip or anything like that, but I was I was the the fun guy. I was the guy that when I came to the party, the party was on. And uh, so that went that was whole first first year, and then uh, I met my now wife at, at, at college, and and we started dating. And uh, she goes, hey, I, I uh, I'm doing this Bible study with this with this lady. Why why don't you come with us and it was one of the members of the, the Christ Church in Lancaster Ohio and I said yeah I mean I'm not opposed to the idea of, of God and Jesus and study I, I sure not a problem so I just you know went and I was kind of half-heartedly into it you know I was kind of there because my girlfriend wanted me to be there and just slowly time after time after time if things just started chipping away and chipping away and chipping away and you know we had great fellowship and it was just it was different, you know. It wasn't what I was used to, you know. You, you, you didn't need alcohol to have a good time. You needed, you know, scriptures. You needed, you know, pure of heart. 
and I was really shown a whole different like style of fellowship and I, I was really starting to like it and I started to party less and then I can remember um, Andrea saying we'd, we'd kind of gone through the plan of salvation and again kind of you know was listening not listening you know and I was getting bits and pieces and Andrea goes well, I'm I'm ready I want to be immersed I'm if I die tomorrow I know I'm not going to heaven and that scares me and I, I told her I said do it why not and I remember her question was what about you <laughs> and I was like I just don't know if I'm ready yet and uh so I thought about it for a few more days and she had lined it up when she was going to do it and thought about it a little more and I understood the importance of it but I wasn't rock solid in that foundation but I was still immersed you know, with Andrea, and at the time I was like, "Yeah, I've I've got it, I've got it," but I still kept right on, right on going. Start, we were assembling regularly, and after I think it was like about a year and a half after that we were immersed, that I I said, "You know what?" I said, "I didn't do this for the right reasons," and I I, I need to. There's doubt. And I've, 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 I've re I really started to, to dive into it. I really started to dive into the scriptures. And so then about a year and a half after that, I was, I was re-immersed. Um, and I, I can sympathize you with you, Alan. You, you're like, what are people going to start thinking? You know, and I, re I can very specifically remember, you know, like, what are my, what are my friends going to think? Cause I, I stopped, they they're texting me all the time. Hey, you coming, you coming, you coming. I'm like, no, no, uh, next time, next time, next time, next time. And by worldly standards, man, I had a ton of friends. But when I started diving into this and I stopped living a sinful nature, all those people just gone. Peaced out. Peaced out. And I, I would be lying if I said some of that didn't hurt, you know, because you, you really bonded with people. You know, they knew some very detailed things about you. And, you know, you tried to witness to them and they were just like, ah, I'm having too much fun doing what I'm doing. So, you know, but with that, God provided brethren, like-minded brethren. And it really, again, just shows you the importance of fellowship. And I mean... Everyone, you know, uh, Brian was talk, talking about it this morning, how it just, it's not coincidental that every single one of us have, has touched each other's message throughout this weekend. And it's because we are like-minded brethren that are dedicated to the scriptures, dedicated to one another, dedicated to the cause. Um, if you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 5, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. 
Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Let's pray. Great and glorious Father God in heaven, we are so thankful for this time that you have blessed us to come together, Father, to encourage, to edify, to continue to immerse ourselves into your word and to continue uh, to, to build those tools and to equip ourselves to go out there and continue to fulfill the great commission that you've called us to do. We want to continue to give you the praise of being that example in the scriptures of steadfast and constant. Uh, we are so thankful to be able to have a relationship with you and be able to come in fellowship with you and, and to serve a living God. And it's your son's name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> I think we've all been there at that, one, at that point in our lives, right? Where we've leaned on our own understanding. I think I, I know what I'm doing, you know? And then God serves up a nice dish of humility, you know, I, where we've fallen flat on our face. A courageous man fears only God. I've greatly appreciated the fact that everyone's defined words because that's like one of my things that I do. So courage, courageous, and fear. So what is being courageous? What is courage? You know? The action in the present of danger or pain. And we can see plenty of examples. And we're going to visit a few of them tonight where disciples have, have faced that. And they have, they have stood firm. And, and when, when I'm going through things at work or, or just struggling through some stuff, I always revisit the same ones all the time. And again, just like it says in verse 8, it is healing to your body and a refreshment to your bones. Powerful, man. Powerful. But in Pro over in Proverbs 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, you, you see that word fear, right? And, and when I first was reading these scriptures, I mean, it was, it was a, like a trembling terror of fear, you know? But that, that's not really it at all, right? It's a loving reverence for God that includes submission to his instructions and his word. Amen. That's right. It is a joyful obedience to the scripture. And when I, I use scripture quite frequently with guys at work and um, my position at, at Myrtle Beach is I'm a, uh, one of our violent crime detectives. And just like everywhere else in the country where our department is short, so we've only got a small group of six guys. And, you know, every single one of uh, those men and women that I serve with know exactly where I stand. And there are times where uh, it's it. Cop culture is tough. It, I mean, I'm sure y'all have heard stories from Brian. Cop culture is tough. It's very cynical. 
Uh, like you said this morning, there's a lot of divorce, there's suicide, there's a lot of uh, alcohol abuse and uh, promiscuity. Like you wouldn't believe, you know. And when I hear of other brothers in, in Christ that, that do the same, the same profession and, and they're, they're doing the, the work and they're standing strong, I mean, that, I, when he told me about you, I was so excited. So excited. And then when you were up here talking, I'm like, my, that's my guy right there. Like, that's my guy. <laughs> I got good pictures, man. <laughs> yeah, oh, great. You know, I think it, it does take a self-examination of your mindset to, to really understand that fear, to, to really be able to grasp it. And you know, we've heard some phenomenal scriptures this morning as, as far as, you know, all the, we're always to be in the world all the time, and it's constant. It's not, there's no breaks in this, you know? And there's no breaks. It's not, well, time, hey, time out. You know, I gotta, I gotta do my do. I gotta do my thing over here. It's not how it works, you know. But there's that, there's that, that mutual love, right? And he he knows when we're struggling. He knows when it's hard for us. But when the, when it's when it's hard, there's also areas that we can grow, and there are also areas that he supplies exactly what we need. He gave, we are, we, he gave us the body, right? Yeah. We have the brethren. I, I'll, be, I'll be the first one to admit to you that when I would struggle with something, it would not leave my lips. I wouldn't tell a soul because I'd either be embarrassed or I didn't want anyone to know. It's just where I was at. But I'm telling you right now, if I'm struggling with something, I'm texting saints in Georgia. I'm texting saints in Virginia. I'm texting saints in Ohio. Hey, I'm struggling with this. I need prayer. You know? And they're, they're right there. They're right there. It's, it's designed that way. When, when Christ sent out the apostles, he sent them out by twos. Right? I know it was used this morning, but jump over to 1 Peter with me real quick. Brian, I think you used this one this morning, didn't you? Yep. So we're going to start in uh, 1 Peter 1, starting in 15. It says, But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in excuse me, all your behavior, all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you address as the father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the, the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed by perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Twenty-four-seven, 
365 days a year. It was said this morning and I, I, that just resounded in me. If I didn't have my eyes opened, I would still be in that futile way of life as my forefathers were. You know, the, the, the only time that I got to spend, the, the, really the only times that I got to spend time with my dad is if I was playing at a baseball game and he was yelling from the first base side or if I went with him to the bowling alley on Thursday nights and watched him drink. Those are about the only times. And it got worse after my grandpa died, you know, because they were so close. He just shut us all off. But I want to I want to define that fear just a little further. We're going to jump back to Proverbs chapter 8. <clears throat> Proverbs 8:13 says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Gentlemen, we are not of this world because there is evil everywhere. And earlier when we defined courageous, courage, action in the presence of fear, danger, or pain, Being a disciple of Christ is courageous in, our, in, in today's age right now. You are, you are seeing it plastered all over social media, which I don't have, thank the Lord. The news everywhere. It's okay for women to be men and men to be women. What a perverted generation. You know, and then you got, you know, Brian and I, we probably dabble a little bit more on the hunting that evil side. And uh, there's, so how long have you been on the SWAT team? Eight Eight years. So Brian's been on the SWAT team for eight, and I've been on it for just under six. And uh, I'm trying to disciple a a couple guys on there, and I'm, I'm, like Bill, you've mentioned this so many times. You got, you got to know your audience. You got to be able to, to present it in a way that's going to be appealing to them. And some of these guys, I'm just just slow slow things, slow and methodical things. Mainly, I'm starting with their language because they would make some sailors blush. But uh, Me, me and uh, one of my officers that I, I work with, he'd always, you know, have, he'd always have a phrase about dealing with, with evil. And it was not suitable for ears present, but I always changed that. I said, no, it's time to go deal some righteousness. It's time to go deal some righteousness. And now every time he sees me, he points at me and goes, it's time to deal some righteousness. Amen. Amen. 
right? And, uh, but, but there are times, and I'm not going to lie to you, it's, it's, been, it's been difficult. You know, like, cop, cop culture's hard. And I, I'll, if it wasn't for my support system, if it wasn't for my wife, my children, and the, and the church, good Lord, who knows where I'd be. I'd probably be a statistic. I don't know which one, but I would probably be one of them. <clears throat> and early on in, in my walk, you know, in, in fearing what, what people would think to me, then it turned to, you know, I'm not really worried about what people are going to think, but I'm, where, where, do I, where do I even begin, you know? And one of my favorite passages of Scripture is Exodus chapter 4. You don't have to turn with me there. But we got Moses before the burning bush. He's, he's, he's talking to God, right? And God just gets done going through what he's going to do to Egypt if they continue to tell him he's not going to let his people go, right? And he's got a pretty good description of what's going to happen. But yet he still says in verse 10, Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in times past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Man, I could really relate to that. You know, I, your message this morning with, with speaking, man, I, I was the same way. I'd get up to school and I'd start to give a speech Five minutes, rehearsed five minutes, would be done in 30 seconds. I mean, I, it would be as quick as you could think, and I would always fail in my speeches. It was, it was horrible. It was horrible. But this passage, especially in verse 11, The Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth, or who makes him mute, or deaf, or seen, or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? We have to present ourselves to be the instruments. We have to put ourselves in those opportunities for God to use us. Right? Uh, there are times I pray, you know what? I have, I have 45 minutes to and from work, unless there's traffic and then it's two hours. There's, there's no middle, there's no in between. It's 45 or two hours. I don't know why that is. But that is, I don't, I don't turn my radio on. I don't listen to music. You know, it's, that is self-reflection time for me. And most of the time, I'm not going to lie, on my way into work, it's, it's Lord, I know today's going to be a day. And I, I need all the strength that I can get. And when I walk through those doors, man, I'm ready to, I'm ready to kick it in. We're, we're breaching. Nearside breach, right, Brian? Yeah. And it takes everything I've got sometimes to get through a day. And then I need, some, sometimes on those 45-minute ride homes, I need the two hours. Yeah. Because when I get home, I'm, I'm, I'm not out of it yet. I'm snippy. I'm, I'm grouchy, you know. And then, oh, sweet Andrea, 
do you need five minutes? <laughs> yes, I need five minutes. You know? She is, she is a, a great woman. But there are uh, so many passages, and, and we're going to go through a, a couple more. And um, if you'll turn with me to uh, Acts chapter 5, this is one of my, one of my favorite ones. And it's, it's a, kind of a little long, so bear with me because I am going to read the whole thing. Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 12, it says, At the hand of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. But none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women, were constantly added to their number. Excuse me. To such an extent that they even carried the sick out in the streets and laid them on the cots and pallets so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any of them. Also, the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were being healed. But the high priest rose up along with all of his associates, that is, the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. They laid hands on the apostles and put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison, and taking them out, he said, Go! Stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. Upon hearing this, they entered into the temple about daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest and his associates came, they called the council together, even all the sin of the sons of Israel, and sent orders to the prison house for them to be brought. But the officers who came did not find them in prison, and they returned and reported back, saying, We found the prison house locked quite securely, and the guards standing at the doors. But when he had opened up, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them as to what could have come of this. But some of them, someone came and reported to them, The men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went along with the officers and proceeded to bring them back without violence, for they were afraid of the people that they might be stoned. When they had brought them, they stood them before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in the name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. But when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and intended to kill him. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all the people stood up in the council and gave orders to put them outside for a short time. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care that you propose to do with these men. For some time ago, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men joined up with him. But he was killed, and all the followers who followed him were dispersed, 
and it came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away some people after him. And he too perished, and all those who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or action is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to be over you will not be able to overthrow them, or else you may even be found fighting against God. They took his advice, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then released them. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Every time I read that, I, I, I get goosebumps. Every time I read that. And I love Peter's example. Because we know he denied Christ. Right? And here he is. Just socking it to him. Man, I, I could picture it, you know? I mean, how great. We must obey God rather than men. And we know scriptures convict. And I'm sure that they were cut to the quick because they knew that they were in the wrong. And it's all done by their example, by their conviction, by their courage. They knew exactly what they were walking into. They'd been beaten before. They, they knew Christ was crucified. Right. Why wouldn't they do something similar to them? Right? But through their example, there was one man that said, Hey, you guys better be careful. Because if this is... You are fighting against God. And they were. We know that. This is put in the scriptures for us. <clears throat> you know, uh, early on in my career, so I started, I started at a sheriff's office in Ohio. And uh, I was just a reserve deputy while I worked full-time at a, a jail, a regional facility. And... Uh, I'm, it was interesting. I don't know if, has anyone ever worked in a jail? You know, nobody goes there for being good. You know, you're just constantly surrounded by people that, some, some are there just because, you know, silly mistakes. But a lot of them are there for, for heinous crimes. And, uh, but I, I ended up leaving there and, and getting hired full time at the sheriff's office and, I was so excited. It was my first full-time gig. And man, I was gung-ho. I wanted, I wanted to be the best. I made sure all my uniforms were, were pressed and tailored. And I mean, I was, I was 21. I was in shape. I was a few pounds less than what I am now, you know? And it was great. I was just making cases left and right, showing up for on time, picking up any, any shift that needed to be filled, 
I, I was there. Had a take-home car, man. I thought, I thought this is great, you know. And uh, a detective position came open, and I thought, yeah, that's that sounds great. And I interviewed for it. They actually ended up getting two positions open. One was a, a child abuse detective, child abuse, uh, domestic violence, and the other one was a, a property crime. And I really wanted the property crime because I didn't want to do the child abuse. Well, guess which one I got? <laughs> the one I didn't want. And uh, Sheriff pulls me in and he goes, congratulations, you, you're going to be the, the uh, family violence detective. I said, great, thanks, Sheriff. <laughs> and he said, well, the solicitor and uh, other well, prosecutors in Ohio, the prosecutor and the, the director of children's services just said that you had a, a really good demeanor about you. And I was like, all right, thank you, Jesus, you know. And so I was, I was in that position for, for just under two years. And I tell you what, it rocked me. It rocked me as an individual. It rocked my faith. It rocked me. And what really got me was there was, uh, I had a supervisor. This man was evil, right? He was charming, smiled all the time, knew everyone. He could, he could sell a ketchup-flavored lollipop to a woman in white gloves. Cunning. And he created this division within the department. And I can remember when I got promoted over there, some of the road guys come up to me and they were like, listen, you're going to have to choose what side you're on. Theirs or ours. And I remember telling them, I am... I'm not, I'm not choosing a side because I'm not on a side. So I uh, started getting cases assigned to me, you know, and they were pretty, pretty, your standard, typical child abuse, bruises, you know, unhealthy conditions kind of things. And then came the child pornography cases. And oh my goodness, absolutely destroyed me. And I can remember coming home and just being in a fog, just in a, in a daze. Like, I don't want to do this. This isn't for me, you know. But scriptural examples and encouragement from my brothers told me that I was there to shine the light of Christ in a particularly perverted, dark area. So I started, you know, really devoting myself to, to scriptures, to if I'm, gonna, if I'm, if I'm fighting evil, I'm, gonna, I'm getting back up, right? And I can remember... That, that sergeant pulling me into the office. And this was about a year and a half in. And he goes, hey, I just wanted to talk to you a few minutes. I said, okay, what, what, what's going on? And uh, he goes, well, I just kind of noticed, uh, you know, you're not, you're not staying late as much. And, you know, you're not leaving early, but, you know, you're not coming in early either. You're just, you know, you, you, I just noticed a difference. And I was like, 
like a bad one. And, he's, and this was his exact words. I think your church and your family are a distraction to you. That was, that was the icing on the cake. And I said, yep, it's time to go. And an opportunity presented itself for me to go back to the road, and I took it. <clears throat> and then an opportunity presented itself for us to go to South Carolina. And I said, no. <laughs> I did. And, uh, but it was because I was comfortable. I was comfortable. I had a sweet, I had a sweet shift. I had a brand new car, you know. I was next up for next up for a promotion to sergeant. You know, I was like, "This is it." And we were presented an opportunity to to start a, a work in South Carolina, and I said, "Nope, no, thank you." But again, my sweet wife, being the lady that she is, she goes, "Why don't we just pray about it?" And I said, "Okay, let's pray about it." I said, "Well, if we we can't go down there unless there's a job opening," and I said, "I was." So, you know, we prayed that there'd be a job openings, and we looked, and sure enough, Myrtle Beach Police Department was hiring. Called them up, told them, gave them a little quick background, and they were like, we would love to have you. And I was like, of, of course they would, you know. And then, so, I get to talking, and we schedule some ride-alongs, and I told my wife, so, well, we can't go down there if we don't sell the house, because we ain't going to have anything to live in. So... We, we were planning on going to Virginia family camp. And after that, we were going to go down to Myrtle Beach. I was going to do my ride-alongs, and we were just going to see how it went. Well, before we left, we were like, well, we're just going to put the house on the market to see how it does for a week. <laughs> what do you think happened? Right Holy cow. We had a, seven showings the first three days, and no one put an offer in. But the day we got back, the offer came in. And I was just like... Okay, I hear you, you know. It was just, it wasn't, it was beyond coincidental, you know. It was like bing, bang, boom, immediate. Within three months of putting my application in at that department, I was hired. And Brown said, that don't happen. Three months, that's, that's now. And it worked out to where, I mean, we sold our house I mean, shortly after that, but they they weren't ready to move in, and we weren't ready to move out. So, I mean, so we were going to South Carolina, and I was nervous. Again, I got out of that comfort zone. You know, well, here we go. I'm, I'm moving into territory that I know nothing about, you know. I, I, yeah, I'm rooted in the scriptures, but again, it's that unknown navigation <clears throat> let's turn to Acts chapter 9 Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 10, says, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias? And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. 
And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call in your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized, and he took food and was strengthened. Lord, do you know what this guy's doing to people? He has the authority to drag people out from their homes and bring them back for persecution. He just stood there and watched Stephen get stoned. And you want me to do what? Okay. Okay. I'll go. I'll go. If Ananias can go and confront a man that he knows is killing Christians, then I can move out of my comfort zone to do the work of the Lord. Right? <clears throat> One of my worst days ever at work was October 3rd, 2020. I was laying in bed. I was already home. It was 10 o'clock at night. And the SWAT pager goes off. Officer down, get here now. I don't think I touched the brakes on my way into work. Jacob Hancher was shot and killed in the line of duty that night. And it rocked everybody. We're talking the biggest teddy bear that you could think of. Big man. Super kind. Heart of gold. He was heavily rooted in Catholicism, but by worldly standards, he was a phenomenal man. And I can remember getting home and just losing it. Losing it. We had assembly that, that next morning, and we didn't have a regular service. We all sat around in a circle, and we prayed. We prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. We prayed for opportunities for Christ to be seen in this. We prayed for strength. We, we prayed for everything. And the next day, I, I go in, and uh, chief calls me. says, hey, can you come up to my office? I was like, yeah, sure. And uh, she knew where I stood. 
and there were several times where I prayed for things for the department and her and I got together and prayed for leadership and, and things like that, which was nice, you know, at least one of those prayers is being heard. And she asked me to, to lead, lead some spiritual things for, for our officers. And man, I was, I, I was scared, right? I never experienced anything like this. I didn't know what to do. I did know what to do because it's it's here, you know. It it it's our it's our manual. It's our guide. It's our cheat sheet. It's our it's our mirror. And. She goes, uh, we're going to have a, we're have, everyone's coming in tomorrow night. I'm bringing, I'm bringing everyone to the convention center. No one's working and we're just going to be together as a, as a police department. And I, and I, I want you to, uh, lead us in a, in a meditation. And I was like, Oh, everyone's going to be there, you know, but, uh, it, it, def- it opened doors. People, people seen, and we, we've we've hit the topic this weekend of, of being the example. You know, being the example when it's easy, being the example when it's tough, being the example when you don't want to, and when you don't want to, that's where the discipline comes in. Because even when you're disciplined, even when when you don't want to do it, the discipline is going to carry you to do it. It's like working out. You know. So we were, the, the day of the funeral comes and everyone's in their class A's and, you know, everyone's crying and the auditorium's filled hundreds of cops from all over the place. I don't know if anyone's ever seen a cop funeral or been part of one, but it is humbling. Humbling. We had cops from Canada there to pay their respects. But Jacob Shift uh, was walking up to his casket, and you could just see that they were just losing it. Losing it. And the chief walked up to me, grabbed me by the hand, and said, let's go. I said, I said, chief, I said, that's his shift. They need to be together. And she goes, they need prayer, and you're going up there. Yes, ma'am. So I went up there, and we we prayed, I bet, a solid 10 minutes. They're crying. I'm crying. Chief's crying. Man. But there's been some phenomenal conversations with that shift since then. I got a couple Bible studies that are extremely irregular from it, but, you know, when I'm you ready to study? Oh, well, maybe next week. Okay. You ready to study? Maybe, maybe next month. Okay. And then they'll come and they'll just ask questions and we'll talk and we'll have good conversations and, you know, but they know. And people will see that same Christ in you guys by your examples, by your courageous acts. You know, we, Bill's, Bill's right. Like a, my chief and I go back and forth in a love-hate relationship, I feel like. And uh, 
well, that, that case that we filed warrants off probable cause that was pushed through. It was there, but it was I felt like it was really weak. So the U.S. Marshals go and pick this guy up. We interview him, and he just spills his guts. And it, he lays it out there verbatim, exactly how I, you know, you put yourself in people's shoes. You know, you got to try to think how they're thinking. And it, it, that's exactly how it went. And I went back to my lieutenant and my captain, and I said, I'm not charging you. Whoa, 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 what do you mean? I said, I'm not. And I was already fired up because I knew it was going to be a fight. I knew it was going to be a fight. And I, I probably should have went in a little, little cooler-minded, but I went in with, with my guns a-blazing. It's not happening. So they were like, all right, we'll, call, just, we're gonna, we'll bring in the solicitor. Solicitor comes in, watches the same video I did, and he goes, you can't charge him. And I was like, oh, thank you, Lord, you know? Give him praise where praise is due. So they, they, they did. They brought the chief in, and, and she was she was hot. She was hot. So the guy got to contribute into the delinquency of a minor charge. And then the juvenile who brought the gun there is the one that got charged. But uh, there's always opportunities to stand for what's right when you're rooted in Christ no matter what you're facing. Right? <clears throat> we all have times in our lives where like, you know you know what you're about to experience is going to be tough. But you know that it needs to be done. And you know that Christ in you is going to help you get through that. Because that's the only way we're going to get it done. We read in, in, in the beginning in, in Proverbs 3, right? Don't lead on your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge Him. In all your ways acknowledge Him. Turn back with me to Proverbs, please. For lots of great, great conversations this weekend, and I and I, I hear that free will popped up quite a bit, right? One of our greatest gifts, which I think that means a whole lot that every one of you chose to be here. You know, it's encouraging. I'm sure there's something, some work that needs to be done around your house, but yet you're here. And we understand the importance of the fellowship. We understand of the importance of immersing ourselves in the Word. We understand the importance of seeking guidance. We understand the, that importance of edification. We understand the importance of choosing to do that. Right? Proverbs chapter 2, starting in verse 1, says, My son, if you will receive my words and my treasures, my commandments within you. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver as, and search for her as for hidden treasure, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. 
if inclines that there's a decision to yep. be made. Yep. So courageous men do only fear God if men choose to be courageous for God. Let's pray. Great and glorious Father God in heaven, we are so thankful for everything that you've done for us, for, for giving us a, that spirit of, of, of power and might and strength and being able to go out there and stand boldly for your namesake and to be able to take your word to the tops of the mountains. Literally, today, that's exactly what we did. And, and I can't thank you enough for this opportunity to come here and, and be part of the brethren. And I, I am humbled at your creation, humbled at your design. And Father, I, I continue to pray for the strength for these brothers here to continue to move forward and be courageous and to present themselves to you as a living and holy sacrifice. And we want to thank you for everything that you have given us for every blessing father you are owed praise and thanks and father we want to make sure that we're doing that with our lives and by our examples and by our decisions and it's your son's name jesus we pray amen oh you do stand right there oh, okay okay he's talking about He's talking about cop culture, and that's something that we can't really understand unless we live it, right, Darren? But you understand it. Uh, to be brave in the face of such pressure by men who don't trust because of the nature of the culture, it's so much more important for them to be brave, absolute men of integrity. And as, as Brian was saying, when, he, when one of those words comes out, Man, it just burns, just burns, because it's like that opportunity that that might break. We have to have that same mindset. We'll be absolutely courageous, absolute man of integrity. I think American Christians are weak. They're soft. They're they're always wanting what's convenient. That's what got me so revved up when you're preaching at your house. Yeah, it's just, it makes me angry that we have to work so hard to get the church to move. I mean, that's, that's messed up. So we who are here need to take the messages and really live them. Really appreciate what you had to share. Thank you. Let's go it up again. Woohoo! Thanks, Joey. Thank you. It's awesome.